Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. I should start coring apples. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Oh my God, I'm so old. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I think I want to make a little bit more of an effort to get dressed every day. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. If you can't do Bird of Paradise again, you're a bad person. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're doing a 2-1 back-to-ones. That's a little bit of an inside title, so we're going to have to explain it. But those who know, know. Inside baseball. Yeah, it's inside baseball. Inside hellions. What this is about, guys, is that we don't do January resolutions, New Year's resolutions. We're opposed to them. Margaret and I will talk about why. But around February 1st, we like to do a little a back to one, a reset, and we'll talk about what that is and how it's different from goals and resolutions and what our back to ones might be for this year. Amy, we're going to do all of that. But first, we're going to do mailbag. Mailbag. I love this mailbag. We got this email from Dina. She says, I'm sending a deep, sincere thank you for your podcast. I found it just after moving from a big, bustling metro area to a tiny, tiny town across the country. I was going through a rough spell and parenting my three littles, and the parenting podcasts I found were not relatable to the season I was in, says Dina. An older mom, established career, stressed as hell. I mostly just wanted to feel understood. Though I didn't have the language for it at the time, for where I was in life, I felt like a Margaret in a sea of Amy's. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Legit LOL. (laughs) I had not read this before you started reading it. It's great. Dina goes on to say, I'd always been fun and laid back and whatever the word is for cool, but not popular. And so I figured I would fall right into being (laughs) the weird, cool mom with weird, cool hobbies and up for weird, cool fun. So that's, I think, why she calls herself a Margaret. Yes, I'm feeling it. I'm giving her the Hunger Games salute right now. Weird, cool mom. That was her plan. And then Dina says it was very hard to find herself tired and frustrated and never weird, cool or fun. It was life-changing for me, says Dina, to hear you two talk through what you were going through, have it be hard, but not so heavy you couldn't eventually laugh about it. I was a Margaret for sure, but with some strong Amy leanings, says Dina. Mm. (laughs) This long email being one of her Amy leanings, I can say. Yes, exactly. Right? This organized long email. Dina says, most of the folks in my circle were similarly in gray areas, which I realize is because, oh, I don't know, maybe we're all our own people and struggling a bit and succeeding a bit. And as moms, we sometimes are better at seeing the shoots than the ladders. 
Thank you for the work you do, Dina. First of all, I am seriously considering getting a tattoo of the entire transcript of this mailbag on my forearm. I like it that much. Yeah. I like the idea. She's like a Margaret with Amy Rising or like, you know how they do astrology that way? Yeah. (laughs) It's like. Yeah. She's a wing. She's a Margaret wing, Amy. Yes. yes, Exactly. (laughs) Which I like. I also the phrase. Yeah. I had always been fun and laid back and whatever the word for is cool, but never popular. I have never heard my life described so succinctly as I have in these words. That is me. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I sometimes I describe myself as laid back and I am an extremely anxious person. So like I am fun and laid back with anxious rising. Yes. And then I am cool, but never popular. I mean, man, if that isn't how I feel. I'm more the tired, frustrated, never weird, cool side of that. So, Dina, I feel that part of it very much. And I love the part she said about how moms are sometimes better at seeing the shoots than the ladders. I'm like, oh, yeah, deeply seeing Dina. That's a great way to say it. Negative confirmation bias, Amy would say. Yes. So thank you for writing, Dina. And we love hearing from listeners. And you can always send us an email, info at whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. Or can I just say, you can go onto the website and there's a little microphone and you can record yourself. And we've only had a couple of people do it, but it's so exciting when they come in. Yeah. So if you want to ask us a question, go to our website and record your voice asking it because I don't know why it's secretly thrilling to me. <laughs> and it's an extra little present. Because I secretly suspect that Amy just writes all these emails to us herself and sends them in. But when I get a voicemail, I know it's not from you, Amy. Yeah. Dina's real. All right. Let's turn to some non-resolution resolutions, Amy. <laughs> They're not resolutions. We, I am very anti-New Year's resolutions. Okay. Although I heard someone say a long time ago, I wish I could credit them, no idea who it was, who said, it's a good year for a new year. And that's how I feel. It's a good year for a new year. And I that phrase comes to me at the last week of the year always. Like, I'm always ready for a new year. And I love New Year's. I love a fresh start. Yeah, the head of my kid's high school yesterday, he came and spoke at the PA meeting. And he said he loved working in a school because you get sort of two cracks at a new year. You get the September start and the January start. And he always liked a fresh start. I love a fresh start. I love a new calendar. I don't love New Year's resolutions. I think they're problematic. Well, yes, because you're right and they are. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) The end. (laughs) It's just the problem with New Year's resolutions is that we all know they don't work. We do them anyway. We kind of run to the gym the first day. I'm going to now be a person who does yoga five days a week. That lasts two weeks and then we end up feeling bad and it's lame. Like I feel like we understand pretty clearly why New Year's resolutions don't work. Here's the thing. Another very useful phrase that I learned at some point in my life is this phrase, Amy. Wherever you go, your head goes with you. And New Year's resolutions have that problem, too. Like, no matter what year it is, spoiler alert, you're still you. Yes, you're still you. And so you're not going to magically be transformed into a different person because the calendar changed. Like, no, your same head from 2022 is with you in 2023. So there are two things about resolutions, the way they're framed that I think makes you guaranteed to fail. Like, it's built right in. 
And the first one is that baked in the cake. It's baked in the cake. Is that like something like 85%? I have some statistics, not this one, but it is a statistic that most of us set the same resolutions year after year after year. And we return to them like, I made the same resolution last year. What a failure I am. Like, what a dumb dumb. Instead of accepting that the things we most need to fix about ourselves are the things we like, of course, we have the same resolutions year after year. We are already telling ourselves we're a failure on January 1st because we also resolved to read more novels last January 1st, right? Instead of accepting that, we think that that's already number one proof of our failure before we've even left the gate. Here's a statistic. Only about 20 percent of people who set New Year's resolutions keep to them, keep them through the year. And a year is a long time, right? I'm surprised it's 20. I would have said seven. But even these individuals who are successful, and again, this study that I looked at, only 20% were successful. And success was framed as you kept it up for a whole year. I mean, that's a high bar, right? But even these successful individuals reported an average of 14 slip-ups. So every time you don't I don't know, like exercise before work, that's a slip up, that's a failure. And success is exercising before work four times a week for 52 weeks. Like you're just guaranteed to fail if a slip up, if a not doing it one day is a slip up, is a like, oh no, I've screwed up my resolution. And now like, oh, well, forget it. See you next January. I agree. And I think fundamentally have to, I always, my sister always says when people like say things about themselves, believe the opposite. So I have to be careful that phrase comes to me when I go to say this. But I think I am fundamentally, and maybe it's at this phase of my life, I am completely uninterested in living this way, in the way of like, I never eat sugar or like, and again, if you do, you do you. If you're not interested in eating sugar, meat, drinking alcohol, whatever you're not interested in doing, if it works for you, it's fine. I find I am at a phase of my life where I do not want to put on myself. We were talking about this with Gresha Rubin, get outside for 23 minutes a day. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't want any more rules on my life that I feel I have to think about or do. Now, do I see the value in getting outside for 23 minutes a day? I do. But I don't know. And I think I've always had a little bit of like, no one tells me what to do, including myself. I mean, here's the thing. I've always done this with eating, right? That like, if you told me like this diet is you only eat lettuce and lemons for a month, I would have no problem doing that. I mean, I would be unhappy and miserable, but like I could definitely do it. I am good at being disciplined within any given structure. But I'm not going to live my life that way. And it's really not that interesting to me to do, you know? And so, yeah, I don't like resolutions because I think of them as rules. And I have in my life fallen for a bunch of things, which is like 75 clean. And like, that's how you're going to eat the next 75 days. And like the 90 day gym challenge. And like, I have definitely gone down those lanes and I think I can pretty safely say question mark, but I feel this. Maybe it's not true and I will admit it if I fail. Never again. I'm not doing any of those things again. I'm never doing, you know, 23 whole and I'm never doing the like 90 day Peloton challenge. Again, if it works for you, I'm glad for you. But for myself, I'm So this 23 minutes outside, you've stolen one of my... Back to ones for 2023. But it's a like, <laughs> I've not only stolen it, I've stolen it and I've stomped all over it. You've yucked my yums. Yes. I have totally yucked your yum. But in fairness to me, I did not know it was one of your yums before I yucked it. That's right. 
But I also think like there's an adjustment in this for me that so I liked that Gretchen said this spend more time outside. It doesn't really matter the weather. And then, like I said, I also saw that this doctor was saying like you think on a cloudy day. It's another cloudy, rainy day in New York City today. Another weird winter day. Yes, it sure is. Low gray sky, people. There's no ultraviolet rays outside today. I won't feel better if I go for a walk today. But research suggests, yes, you will. So I'm not doing 23 minutes but I have the old, like, needed to be charged, couldn't find the charger, Fitbit. I got it. I put it on my wrist, and I'm trying to walk more places instead of take – I live in New York City, so I can't really drive almost anywhere within the city. Too much of a hassle. And there's nowhere to park because of all these restaurant sheds, thanks to outdoor dining. Like, there's truly nowhere to park. And a garage is $50 for 20 minutes. So I'm taxiing or subwaying or walking. Now, if it's, like, if it's less than two miles, I'm just walking it. And – the Fitbit makes me want to do it a little bit. Like, I don't think it makes me a better person to close my Apple Watch rings, but it does make me want to walk. So whatever, if it gets me excited. And you know what? My mood has been, it's a little early to call it, but like the last couple of weeks, I've been walking more places, even when it looks like it's not nice out. And I do feel a little like happier day to day than I did before. So that's the reason to do it, right? But I'm not like, it's not a failure if I got 8,000 steps one Tuesday. Oh, well. That's the problem with resolutions, I think. 8,000 steps? Oh, my God. That's a lot of steps. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, exactly. But you fall into this mindset, like 10,000 steps a day, so 8,700 is you are a bad person, right? Like, that's the part that I think is really worth leaving behind. Well, it's funny because I was just talking to one of my kids about this who wanted to start something and it involved purchasing a bunch of things. And I was saying, I found in my life that when the first step of something it's to invest money in it, you're coming at things the wrong way, right? Like I'm going to take up tennis. Therefore, I'm going to buy tennis balls, a club membership, yes. tennis rackets. Like if the first step is to spend $1,000, relook at that, you know, because it's the kind of thing that like you set yourself up to fail, you know, and I can't, this kid was interested in, let's say animation. And it was like, well, I need to get this program. And then I need to get this, this and this. I'm like, I don't know. I would think the first step is maybe take out a pen and a piece of paper and draw some characters. <laughs> like, because I think the illusion of like, it's the great Williams Sonoma delusion, which is you walk in and you're like, I should start coring apples. And it's like, okay, you're not a different person. Calm down. Like, it's the old meme of I wish I was the person I thought I was when I was in the vegetable aisle buying all of this produce, right? Like, right. It's very easy to be like, I am going to be outdoor Amy now. And if I fail at that, I'm loser Amy. And like, those are not the two sides of the equation. I have more to say about this. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro <laughs> aunt at this yes. point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. 
been to. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, when you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. So we have this ongoing discussion about the concept of back to one. Amy brought this phrase into our lives, film set, right? You do a take of the scene. Mm -hmm. Everything is set up, right? I hand you the water glass. You hand me the newspaper. I exit stage left. And then if you have to reshoot the scene, the call from the stage manager or production manager or whoever it happens to be is back to one. And everything, the cup goes back on the you know, prop table. The newspaper goes back on the table where she picks it up from. Everything goes back to one. And this has always really struck me as the right kind of resolution, that it's a return to good practices. It's not a balance beam or a high wire that one falls from. Does that make sense? That's right. Yes, it's a reset. Here's the three things I would say about the back to ones as we mean it, right? There's no expectation of perfection. Right. If it's a film set, it's the assistant director yelling back to one. There's no like, oh, it was you, right? It was Margaret who was late on that line. It was Amy who messed up her line. It was like so-and-so whose hat fell off. Like there's no- right. The set guy who didn't open the door in time. Yeah. Right. There's no like- Whose fault was this? It's just, okay, back to one. We got to do it again. There's no expectation of frustration. There's no frustration that there's a reason you have to do it again. There's actually like an expectation you have to do it again. There's no scene you're going to do one take of. You're going to do 10 takes. And so you just do it again. And there's no exasperation that you have to fix something, right? So there's just like no exasperation, no blame, no frustration. It's just a reset. And so I think that's what we're trying to get at. Like, yeah, I have a reset. I'm trying to walk more outside, even on days that it doesn't seem like a nice day to be outside. And I'm not going to put frustration around that when I don't do it or excessive you know, 10 blocks is good and nine blocks is not good enough or be annoyed that I think I also said this last year that I was going to walk more <laughs> and maybe I did and maybe I didn't. Well, because I think it is and it's 
things to return to that make you feel good, not goals you must achieve in order to not feel bad. That's the difference, right? Ah, yes. Yes. I like it. I was just, I have talked before, I have some OCD behaviors and tendencies, some like touch, you got to touch the doorknob before I leave, got to like, you know, hit the overhang door is a big one for me when I walk under a door, like reaching up and touching the door frame. To the degree that I was just talking to someone about it. And I was saying like, when I was like, maybe 13 or 14, one of my cousins and I were talking and she was like, I do this thing where I touch things four times before I leave a room. And I was like, yeah, everybody does that. And she was like, everybody does not do that. (laughs) And I was, you know, there's a meme about like some people, I guess, have a narrator in their head, like a storyteller who's like Like an inner voice, sort of an inner voice. And some people don't. And so it's very interesting to people when they realize that like not everyone else has an inner voice. And I was like, not everybody else touches things for luck or it's not like it's OCD behavior. It's for control, basically. Right. And so this year, I went to a therapist to be like, I have to stop doing these behaviors because these behaviors are quote unquote crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And she completely helped me reframe it. And she was like, everybody has things they do to like calm themselves down. It's a self-soothing behavior. Reassure themselves. Yeah. Some people hum while they drive. Some people tap a pencil while they think. It's an external manifestation of something that's going on in your brain. It is word of the year morally neutral. But it is also kind of a speedometer to know how your anxiety is on any given day. So if I have my one place in the house that I always touch and I touch it, okay, that's something I may do every day for the rest of my life. It's morally neutral, doesn't hurt anybody, doesn't slow down my day. For whatever reason, it's soothing to me. So like, okay, that's my self-soothing behavior. Some people's is chewing their fingernails, chewing gum, whatever. But There have been times of my life where I'm doing 250 of those a day because I'm feeling so out of control in my life that this manifestation of my anxiety is getting out of control. So it's not a behavior that has to be stopped. It's a behavior that has to be observed and listened to. And this was such a good reframing for me. Like, The way I eat, the way I exercise, the way I don't go outside, the way I get pizza four nights a week rather than cooking. This is behavior that is morally neutral, but it needs to be observed and listened to. It doesn't need to be fixed or stopped because it's shameful. So I have a question. So I'm touching things and I'm going to do a back to one around that. You're suggesting that instead of like, I'm going to keep track of that and I'm going to make sure I don't do that, which would seem to be counterproductive. Or I'm just going to try not to do it. Or do you instead address it by like, let me explore what in my life might be out of control that's making me feel the need to reassure myself? I think all it is, is I'm going to have consciousness around it. So like if I'm every day touching three things throughout my day that just give me like a, I mean, it's so much more subliminal than this. You understand that I don't touch something and be like, now everything is going to be okay. It's almost a tick. It's not, there's no consciousness to it, let's say. That is part of my operating system and how I live in the world and exist in the world, which is okay. And I can now regard it as morally neutral. It's fine. But The back to one of it is to say, like, where am I with this behavior? Does it seem to be ruling me or is it just something that is like a very small piece of my 
self-operating system like humming or being calm? Or like, do I, every time I get in the car, like tap the hood to say like, it's going to be a fine drive today? It's fine. That's not a big deal. But if on the way to the car, I need to tap the mailbox and I need to walk down the steps and then back up them and then turn around and walk back down them. Now it's time to go back to one with that behavior and say, something is driving a fire and anxiety, and this is the symptom of that. Another version of this for me is how I eat. And we have talked about it and, you know, check out, we're going to have hopefully someone talking about this on the Fresh Take soon. I no longer am invested at all in weight, what I weigh, don't care what you weigh, don't care what I weigh. I'm never going on a diet again in my life. I'm done. I weigh what I weigh. It's not interesting to me anymore. That being said, I know that I have some behaviors regarding eating where I will, when I'm not hungry at all, sit in bed and eat three balls of Reese's Puffs while I'm watching TV until my mouth is literally like practically bleeding from like the crackly cereal. And my sister-in-law makes peanut brittle at Christmas and it is my ultimate goldfish food. Yes. I cannot stop eating peanut brittle. I said, I'm like, my journey with peanut brittle is that I eat one and I'm like, that's the most delicious food that God and his son Jesus ever created. And God blessed living on <laughs> earth in 2023 when I got right. peanut brittle. That's such a time. And then I have another one and I'm like, just as good as I remembered. Cut to like literally 300 pieces of peanut brittle later. I am just joylessly like placing shards of broken candy glass in my mouth that is like inflamed from eating peanut brittle and I can't stop. And so the back to one is not like I want to be a bikini model. I want to stop eating sugar. I want to be a person who doesn't eat sugar. The back to one is like, I should maybe have peanut brittle to hide it, whatever I need to do around it to make it to not lead me to the bad place where I know this goes. Like it's more checking my speedometer than it is like new me never eats sugar and exercises five times a week. It's like, okay, I know when my eating gets to a very specific recognizable place for me, it's time to maybe start doing some different things. To go back to one, but without any guilt or shame around it. Right. I can't believe I ever ate peanut brittle after I said I would never eat sugar again. Like you're not setting unrealistic expectations. You're not mad at yourself that you're resetting. It's not like once a year I'm going to set these unreasonable things and then like wear the hair shirt every time I am not perfect. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I think I may be a person who from Christmas to New Year's every single year eats peanut brittle until my mouth bleeds. Like that may be the thing. Like it would be nice if I could somehow put a goldfish stopper in there, but maybe not. And maybe my back to one is just like, oh, it's January 1st. Okay. No more peanut brittle is in my life. I would never buy it in my house because I know I have a problem. And so I could either probably say like, I'm never eating peanut brittle again because I don't like starting it and where it takes me to, like I have to go cold turkey or yeah, once a year I go absolutely insane on peanut brittle and it's gross and, yeah. and it's bad for me. It does, I don't like the way it makes me feel, but oh well, it happens. It only happens once a year. It's a shame that peanut brittle is like the most calorie dense. It's the most delicious. And also like you could definitely like live on a piece or two of peanut brittle and, and not starve away to nothing. It's just butter and peanuts. <laughs> My sister's father-in-law is a dentist. And I'm like, oh, what is it? As I said, we were talking about saying, he's like, the only thing I wish I could eliminate from the world was peanut brittle. And I'm like, it rots your teeth. It's so bad for you, but it tastes 
like life itself. It's glorious. And it's funny because my husband, who has the biggest sweet tooth, he wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. He's like, oh, peanut brittle. Who cares about that? Doesn't care about it. So I have a sort of related but different approach to this whole like back to ones thing. Not to bring another approach in, but why not? Because I thought this was interesting. Melissa Hirsch wrote an article for the New York Times. I'll put the link in the show notes. It was called Broken Promises. And it was another like, here's a problem with New Year's resolutions type article. You should read it. And her approach is... She says, how can we make this year different? Resolve to always be resolving. That sounds terrible, but it's actually sort of liberating. So this is the approach she suggests that you think like, I think I should drink more water. I know that's something I've talked about on the podcast over the years is I'm going to drink more water. I'm going to just make sure that happens because I feel better instead of like, I'm going to do that for a year. Like I'm going to do that for today. Today, I'm going to drink more water. This week, I'm going to drink more water and then check in with yourself and see if you want to continue. Like, just take the length that you're doing things down and then like, I think I'll resolve again to drink more water next week if you want to. And if you don't, don't. As opposed to overhauling your life once a year and sticking with the changes forever. You know what she's saying, Amy? She's saying back to one. That's it. Like, it's like, okay, let's go back to some things that I know make me feel good. And I don't know why it is like in the human condition and like my presenting issue probably in my life is unfocused anxiety. You know, what do you call it? General anxiety, you know? And I know that the best thing to do when I'm anxious, depressed, having a hard time is go for a walk, put my face in the sun, talk to friends Maybe do like a sensory overwhelming exercise, like do a Peloton class with like the pounding music or, you know, go for like a crazy run playing like really upbeat pop music or Beyonce and like she's mad at Jay-Z and I'm, I'm helping me process. I get that that is what makes me feel better when I'm anxious, but every cell in my body when I'm anxious is like sit completely still, preferably under the covers with ice cream and yell at people. And it's like, you have to work against your own instincts sometimes, you know, you do, because the answer is not as easy as like, yes, I don't care about diet. And I am very like, I'm done. Believe me, I'm 50. You know, I spent a lot of my life dieting. And I'm done with it. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't care. But I also don't want to be peanut brittle mouth. So there has to be, it's not as easy as to say like, throw off the chains of expectation and don't care what you say, Gretchen Rue, but I'm not going outside. And like, because you don't actually feel good sitting on the couch in your blanket 24 hours a day. You got to find the back. That's why we need the back to one is what I'm saying, because you've got to have some goals. Otherwise, you're just kind of meandering, right? What you want and what you need aren't always the same thing. I think about like this is from a writing point of view. There you go. You said a mouthful, Amy. Yeah. Like Harry Potter wants to win the golden goblet of fire or whatever, but he needs to believe in himself. And sometimes the things that you do to get what you think. For me, I'm like, I have to get this done. I have to get more done. I have to get more done. I have to get more done. So I can't stop and go walk outside in Central Park for an hour. Why would I do that? I'm not going to get anything done. But that's what I need. And we work, we're sometimes our own worst enemies, I think, with that stuff. So that's why I need back to once. I have a tip. All right, we'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence 
whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. And now, there are some things that change, and it's not so great. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Toddlers talk all the time. Teens don't talk at all, and it's somehow worse. We don't know why. Car seats. Good news, you don't have to buckle them in anymore. Bad news, they're in the front seat now. With keys in their hand, your tiny baby is driving the car. Getting babies to sleep versus getting teens to wake up. You know, that's a tie for terribleness. They are both really bad. Baby smells. Baby smells will be replaced by the smell of teenage feet. And all we can say is, you're not ready. Kids questions. As it turns out, who's your favorite member of the Paw Patrol is a lot easier than answering, why do good people die? We're sorry in advance. This has been, there are some things that change and it's not so great. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. I think for me, what one thing that really helps is to have the orientation, if that's the right way to say it, of it's like presence somehow that like when I'm in the peanut brittle eating or I'm in the like cuddled under the blanket afraid of the world place that I need an external force to say and like sometimes I would even put a post-it like on my computer screen that says I feel better when Mm. and it's like I feel better when I'm showered Mm -hmm. and I feel better actually when like my hair is brushed I have crazy 
hair. Like if I just let it air dry, it's like going in every direction is pinned weird. And I, you know, because of work and Amy and I talk to each other on the video, like I don't like to see my crazy face with bad hair. I don't know. I don't, I like to look nice. And one of my back to ones this year, we've been talking like the theoretical back to ones, but one of my back to ones this year is getting dressed again. So since 2020, during the pandemic, I just started living in like sweatpants and fleeces and, you know, cozy slippers. And I like to be cozy. And because my size varies over the course of any given five-year period, I have a lot of clothes at any given time that fit and don't fit. And sometimes no clothes that fit. One of the things I'm committing to in 2023 is getting dressed. So I've gotten some new pieces for my wardrobe, like a couple of, look at my sweater that I'm wearing now. It's it's very nice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'm like, it's just having a couple of things. And I had to rebuy some clothes in a new size because I'm also always like, well, I'll buy it when I'm somehow magically a different size. Nope. Buying clothes in my current size that I probably will be for the rest of my life that doesn't necessarily make me look like the hottest girl in the mall, but that's like pleasing to wear and that I look nice in. That's one of my back to ones, like getting dressed, brushing my hair and just and also I work at home like we could. I mean, we're on video, I guess, while we do this, but like 90 percent of the time I could be in sweats and just roll out of bed. I'm literally in my bedroom behind this and like I could just roll out of bed and go through my day pretty much in my pajamas. And one of the things I came into the new year with is like, I think I want to make a little bit more of an effort to get dressed every day. Mm -hmm. I feel you. Yeah. I'm coming to that too. Like, okay, we all like didn't blow dry our hair or wear makeup or I don't think I'm going to wear high heels maybe ever again, but never again. I think I'm done with high heels. But I'm ready to not be like, oh my God, I'm so old. Every time I look at myself, <laughs> it makes me feel better. So maybe I'm like putting on concealer under my eyes because it makes me feel better. And also like going out on the weekend, I think to some degree it was informed by the thing of like, well, I guess I'll wear my like stretchy black pants and that sweater again. Like I feel like the clothes are leading me a little bit. Like just getting some more things. And believe me, I don't spend money on clothes. So I'm not talking about like, I got a Armani. I don't even know who's a designer. I don't even know. But like, I'm just talking about like four or five pants with buttons, like a nice top, just pieces that feel like clothing. So that there's also a difference for me mentally between I'm going out to dinner with my husband. I'm going to put on button pants and a blouse. I mean, I'm 90. I'm going to put on slacks and a blouse with my purse. Nice top. A nice top. <laughs> Something's got a little sparkle. No, I mean, I'm going to put on clothes that I'm not wearing to... Basically, I would just be like scrubbing the floors and then put a sweater on and a chunky necklace and be like, all right, let's go to dinner, you know? Right. And I'm... I don't know. I don't know what it's going to do for me. And if it doesn't serve me, I'm going to throw it away. But it is something I'm exploring, wearing nicer clothings. <laughs> I love it. I wanted to talk about the whole category that we have as parents, because we've talked about like, I'm going to try to drink more water. I'm going to try to walk more. I'm going to try to like put on clothes that make me look, you know, human and not like I just finished scrubbing the floor. But all of these are, they're for ourselves. They're us. They're just for us. And like Yahoo and definitely good. And not, but also kind of voluntary in that way, right? Like if I don't walk more in 2023, 
I might be less happy, but the sum will still come up. But there are other like back to ones that we have to do because of course we do on behalf of the people that we live with that are for their good, or at least for our good and their good. And that feel sort of less voluntary and then also feel like we have to drag them behind us. I'm thinking of like phones in the kitchen or phones downstairs or not staying up until all hours on the phone. I have teenagers now. And this was one of my resets last year. And guess what? We have to do it again. I'm discovering, you know, I got up recently to go to the bathroom, like what I would call the middle of the night. It was in the middle of the night, but it was it was at well after midnight. And guess what? There was light coming from under the bedroom doors of certain people. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I have to do this again. Again, I will try not to beat myself up about it, but it's a time for a reset and I got to drag them with me and they're not that interested in it, but it still needs to be done. Well, but I have found this language that I've adopted from you and talking to you on the podcast super helpful for my kids as well, which is this is a reset because I hear from my kids sometimes like I can never, I'm never organized. I can't do it. I'm bad at school. You know, I'm not a good student. And I do try to reflect back to them like, you need a reset. You know, you just need to go back to one on this. So we have midterms. Maybe that looks like we put a big poster board in the middle of our living room for the next six weeks that says like, okay, tonight we're going to do history and math. Next night we're going to do English and earth science. And like, we're going to structure our lives around midterms because that's the season that we're in. Yeah. And sometimes we can kind of skate through a lot of times we can kind of just be like, uh-oh, you got an assignment? All right, do it in the morning quickly while I'm making you uh, bacon. But at midterm times, we can't do that. At midterm times, we need to go back to the hardcore systems, you know? And I think that is what we're saying for ourselves really does work for the kids. Like, okay, I had a very small, minor, unimportant surgery, and I have to stop exercising for six weeks which is fine. I'm not an Olympic athlete. I'm not in like, you know, peak physical shape. But I know because I've been weightlifting and getting stronger that when I go back after six weeks, I'm going to be feeling weak and like really bad and like a loser in class when I'm like, oh my God, I can't even do a push up for my knees anymore. Like I'm, it sucks. I had something and I lost it. And so what I will do when I go back, hopefully for four weeks is make like a little chart for myself and say like, okay, at this point I need for myself to feel that thing of progress and moving forward on a task. But I don't need to every two seconds be like, I'm weak and old and it sucks and I've lost it. It's like, okay, this is a season of structure. What do you call it? Scaffolding and structure and planning. And then there are times where we can let that go. But when we need it, we need it. It's not, it's taking off. It's staying morally neutral. You're not a good student or a bad student. You're a student in a season of support or a student in a season of coast. Yeah. And that I think is very crucial and key. It makes me think of yoga. Like yoga is one of those things that you can definitely get better at it, of course. But what I like about yoga is there's always something to be working on, right? It, you just have to go. Some teacher once said, you know, somebody who's more flexible than you just has to go further into the pose to feel the same sensation. They're not better. They're just, they just have to go further to feel the same thing. They're just different. And so 
you know, I did a lot of yoga during the pandemic, was able to do some cool like tricks. And then, you know, I took time off to write this book, put yoga down. Now I can't do some of those tricks anymore. And you're right. I, I do sort of like, oh, I'm mean, like, of course I can't. I was doing something three times a week. Then I was doing something once every other week. And it's okay. I'm not a bad person. Like, who cares? Just come back to it with like, maybe I can do a little more and a little more without like, I don't know, if you can't do bird of paradise again, you're a bad person. I do sort of, I think, connect this stuff. And or, and this is what we do with resolutions. If I can't go to the gym five times, it's not worth it. I failed. I lost it. And if you go to the gym once a month, that's great. Good for you. Like, that's good too. I used to go to a yoga class that I found eventually was too intense for me and I stopped going. But the teacher had this way of doing something and he would always say, reach for your feet, someday touch them. <laughs> reach for the back of your thigh, someday for the back of your knee, someday for the back of your calf. And it was like such a lovely way to practice. And this idea of like, reach for this, someday this. And it was just so soothing. And I think that back to one says like, there's a place to come back to. I know I feel better when I'm but put a little stick it if it helps you. A stick it. I'm again, I'm 90 in this episode. Put a little stick it next to your desk that says outside, more water, more stretching. And like when your speedometer is telling you like things are off, look at your list and be like, okay, I could try one of these five things. My mom, who was a family therapist and like studied for years, read every book, so intelligent, so bright. And really well-versed in like the DSM and like how to tackle problems for people or whatever. 80% of the time when I would call her and being like, I'm just losing it and everything's falling apart and I don't know what to do. She'd be like, take a bath. And it's like, right, like just take a bath, you know, just stretch, just go walk outside. But if it helps you to have a structure of 23 minutes a day is a good goal and that helps me get there, fine. But if it's just, I know when I struggle going outside helps, that's enough. Yes. Right. If you're the kind of person who I am that like closing the rings and beating your score and do Wordle every day, like if you're that kind of person that draws joy and motivation from what I call those external markers, then use them, but definitely put them aside if they just end up making you feel bad. Or even if you usually like them, but this one makes you feel bad. This has happened for me before. <laughs> you don't have to carry it. That's right. Yeah. Amy, we solved this one. We're back to one. It's two, one, back to one, baby. Here we are again. Can't wait for next year when we talk about what we're doing for two, one, back to one. <laughs> As you know, we have a network of podcasts that really appeal to mom audiences. And our newest show in our network is called Edit Your Life with Christine Coe. She's been a guest of ours in the past and a friend of ours. It's a great show. We'll put a link in the show notes to Edit Your Life. Definitely add it to your playlist. You're going to love it. Check it out. And you can always go to adlessmedia.com to find our whole family of podcasts and up your listening. And with that, thanks so much for listening and enjoy February, people. And remember, no major life decisions in February, please. You know, that's a rule of our podcast. Here we go, people. No major life decisions. And we'll talk to you next time. So long. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. 
My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.